All right, welcome to Secrets and Lies, a storyteller's podcast. I'm Hi, Carolyn. And I'm Vicki. All right, Vicki. Um, this week I'm calling this the learning curve. Why, you ask? Well, because we met in an MFA program. Yeah, I wasn't going to ask, but yeah, we yeah, did. We did. Because we, we met, met in an MFA, MFA program. program. Did you? the learning. It, it was. And I'm a bit of a school nerd anyway. Like, I really liked college. I didn't like high school. Let's get that straight uh, at all. But when I went to college (laughs) and, you know, you get to pick what it is that you want to study for the most part, I I really got into it. And then I went right into grad school and I loved that. And then I went back to grad school again because giant school nerd. Well, I didn't go back to finish my degree until it's like I it took me 14 years to get an associate degree and then another 14 years to get my bachelor's degree and that's not because I spent all that time working on it it's just because I didn't focus on it. But that means I went back to school to get my bachelor's in my 40s and I loved it. Yeah, I um I took a long time to get my, I never got my associate's degree, but to get my bachelor's degree, I was working during the day and going to school at night or doing whatever. And I really enjoyed it too. And even much later when I was teaching college, teaching college students, I much preferred teaching adult learners. Um, you know, people with some life experience who had context for things. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I I liked that a lot. I enjoyed that a lot. But anyway, back to the MFA, or Masters of Fine Arts in Creative Writing, for for those of you out there. I get a lot of questions, um, even when I was was teaching, you know, undergrads, teaching creative writing to to undergrads, or even composition classes about about the MFA, and uh, whether that's a good thing to do. Like, if if you want to be a writer, do you have to get an MFA? It... it it depends on the writer. That's mm-hmm. my that's my take. Is not everybody's wants to go to school and spend all the money because it's a lot of money. It is a lot, and and not everybody actually needs to. There's some very talented writers out there that just need a little bit of craft guidance. Mm-hmm. And think. then there are people like you who will help them do that. As a, I, as I, an I like editor. to help people do that. Yeah, I. I got the MFA, so you don't have to. Oh, my How goodness. How about that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I am not about, I, I don't know, I loved teaching creative writing. Uh, I don't want people to send me their projects. I do not want to help them with their projects. <laughs> I Do not send me your manuscript, please, because that's not I what been, I do. I have been a coach in some form for a very, very long time. Even before, even when I was working at a bank, even when I was working in restaurants, they always ended up being the trainer, training somebody, mm. the new person or whatever. And I always liked it. That's great. I um, I came to the MFA, well, not only because I, I loved going to school and, and whatever, but uh, I came to the MFA for kind of two reasons. One... I wanted to actually finish the book I had started and uh, I wanted to do a good job on Mm -hmm. it. And I had written a previous novel 
uh, <laughs> which will never see the light of day. <laughs> it was I call it my learning book. And I thought, you know, I should probably work with some people who actually know what they're doing <laughs> writing-wise and uh, see if I can really kind of harness this creative whatever thing it is and, uh, you know, uh, come up with something that's that's really good. So I figured if they, uh, you know, if I'm in an MFA program, I'm going to have to generate pages or I'm going to fail. That's right. So it was a kind of about to, accountability. You have to generate pages. You have to learn, you have to learn, read all the craft books and you have to read all of the inspiration. I call them inspiration books. The oh. other, I was studying memoirs. So the other memoirs that are really good and see how well they did it. And you have to annotate everything. Yeah, yeah. A big part of the MFA program that that Vicky and I um, attended involved uh, it was a low residency program. So we would go to residency. We would work with our workshop group and our mentor for that semester. And it, by the end of that residency, you would have a reading list for the upcoming semester. That was usually pretty, pretty long. Yeah, it was a it was a good ten to fourteen list. books or something. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, the mentors would choose some pretty interesting material for us to read. Not uh, not necessarily 10 additional books that were very much like the kind of project we were doing. They were mm -hmm. a little bit all over in order to give you, uh, to kind of expand approaches you could take or or something. Uh, my mentors picked some some books I never would have thought of, um, and some of them were were cool enough to let me pick a couple books. Yeah, mine and too. throw them in there. Mine too. I I appreciate all the books that I read. It was very interesting, and you know sometimes other people in your group would would suggest books too, mm -hmm. and those would be good suggestions. I came into it. I came into the MFA with a project too. I but. I was working on my my bachelor's degree at USF. Go South Florida, woo! <laughs> <laughs> Go Bulls! <laughs> and um, it, it was working my way up to. It was I was in my last semester, basically getting ready to graduate when my mom passed away. And when she did, and I was I had been studying fiction. I had been working like in a special collections area in the in the library, which was really fascinating. I was holding um, scripts from a playwright who had written them like over 150 years ago, and that was like he held this and I held this, and so I got that's, that got me into the whole archiving thing. But I digress. So my mom left behind all those letters and pictures and things that led to her childhood secrets and abandonment and all that. So that fell in my lap. And in the meantime, University of Tampa kept calling and calling and calling. Hey, you want to go to an MFA program? Come join our MFA program. So I just, I had to do it. That's, that's really interesting. Um, I had a project too. I, I UT wasn't calling me out of the blue, <laughs> exactly. But I had met um, the the head of I, I, continuing education and um, Donald Morrill. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. at a uh, conference for ooh, lifelong learning in Washington, D.C. that I was attending for work. And, uh, and I met in the snack room <laughs> where all the good things happen. Yeah. And uh, we were chatting about writing. He was telling me it was from the University of Tampa. And I was saying I had I used to live in Florida and... And anyway, he, at that time, I guess, had just started the MFA program, and I remembered it like a year later, and just on almost a whim, I put together some stuff and sent it, knowing that I had the beginnings of this book, mm-hmm. and I'd done nothing with it. It wasn't getting past, like, chapter three, <laughs> And um, I thought that there was really something there and and whatever. So I sent my stuff off to uh, UT and went on vacation. And while I was on vacation, I got a notice that they wanted me to come in. And then they did call me when I got back. Um, Anyway, I I found that experience to be uh, at first terrifying and... uh, Cause I didn't, I got accepted in, in like May, like late May. And the first residency was mid June. Mm -hmm. And I had to have like an additional three chapters or something of my book for us to workshop. Um, and so I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I had to come up with something and then send it to strangers. How did you find the, the process of, of workshopping with your group? I, I didn't, I liked the workshopping. It was, I mean, there were times when I would, I was sharing my mom's story. So I had, I guess you could say a chapter. It was the vomit draft. It was, it was the, you know, the very, very beginnings of of whatever this was going to be. And they, you know, the people I worked with were good. We all gave pretty good feedback. I mean, I've heard more horror stories, I think, from other groups. I was just wondering if it's different in the nonfiction realm than it is in the fiction realm. But yeah, in the fiction realm, it can get pretty brutal. Yeah, I've seen that. Yes. Yeah. I've seen that in undergrad. For sure. I, uh, I, I, yeah, I think that there's a whole um, learning curve in understanding both how to give good feedback that's helpful and useful and I mean honest Mm -hmm. but not necessarily brutally honest yeah um and also how to receive it and I don't know how your your workshop group worked but when we were getting feedback from the others we weren't allowed to speak yes that's to me that's the best way let them let them all get it out and you can use it or not use it yes Exactly. Because I think when I used to hear, if I was in a group that they did speak, they felt the desire to just defend their oh, writing. Yeah. And that's not really the purpose of even being there. Well, so, I had somebody tell me that my main character was a crybaby. Aww. I know. And did I'm you like, defend yourself? I wasn't allowed to. I wasn't that's allowed to speak. Safe. But inside, yeah. <laughs> inside, I was like. Uh, you don't yeah. understand. The this workshopping is, is like you you learn how to take that defensive note and twist it into how do I make this so they get it. 
The um, that it's an interesting thing. I, I found this to be true in in my day job as well. When you're working on like a a collaborative effort with other people that multiple people are contributing to, mm -hmm. um, to learn how to sort of remove yourself from the uh, the equation and it becomes about making whatever the thing the product the end result the best thing that it can be yep. and when you start if you can get everybody on the same page with that idea mm -hmm. and it stops being your your darlings as they say that uh, that goes a long way to being able to receive other perspectives and be thankful for those other perspectives yes that helps make that uh, thing, whatever it is, um, richer and more effective that, so that it does get the, the, uh, the emotional response that you're hoping for. Mm -hmm. Um, and, yeah. and that not being, Oh my God, what a baby. Yeah. If you, if you can look at it as a project, this is a story project or a whatever project instead of this is me. It's not, yeah. yeah, when the feedback, a lot of people can take the feedback very personal. And I found in memoir writing, the line is a lot skinnier and more blurry when you're, when you're looking at someone's memoir, there's their own story there. It's very easy for them to take feedback as personal. And I went to a, <clears throat> I went to a, uh, I guess it was a workshop. I, I thought it was a workshop. <clears throat> I thought it was a workshop on uh, writing. It turned out it was really a, a workshop to give us writers practice in pitching. Oh. Um, and But it involves staying in <laughs> cabins in the woods in Virginia. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, for, I don't know, four days or something. Sounds kind of fun, but scary. Creepy. Yeah, yeah. With cabins in the woods. It, and, you know. So, uh, and I remember on the very first day, uh, the first evening, like the check-in evening, there was a, a group dinner. And I missed the dinner because I had to drive from my day job mm. down to Virginia. And uh, they were off having dinner or whatever. When I got there, um, when they came back, one of the writers was already crying and packed up and left. Oh my. <clears throat> we technically hadn't even started yet. <laughs> and uh, she had written something inspired by her own personal history mm -hmm. that apparently was a, a story of abuse she had suffered or mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. And the facilitator of this workshop had said something like, that's not going to sell. You're going to have to write another book. Oh, helpful. And no. Yeah. So we <laughs> lost her like right off the bat. She oh packed gosh. up and left uh, that first night and we didn't see her again. And that kind of dynamic continued. There was a lot of drama uh, oh over the gosh. course of the four days. Um, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of brutal truth to the fact that a, a story may not be uh, uh, the kind of story that will sell. But if you're mm -hmm. in it just for the money, then I don't know if that's... The path you should that's take. That's okay, yeah. <laughs> but then there's also, you know, the idea that you may want to put that story out there on your own. That it doesn't right. have to be picked up by a major publisher. 
and some people, and I've met these people, they just want to get their story down and they want to get it out there in the world. They have a message, whether the, the big publishers want it or not. That, uh, that workshop, by the way, I got in trouble on day one, <clears throat> the actual first day, not the night before. So, uh, it, because I didn't have a title yet really, for my book in progress. And the uh, facilitator sent me back to my cabin until I came up with 10 potential book title names. I wasn't allowed to return. That doesn't sound helpful at all because isn't that like one of the last things you do? I don't know. I hadn't thought of it being like the... Anyway, Uh, but I did come up with a title. I did get to come back to the group, but I was banished like day one um, while I did. So very hardcore this... uh, it, it does this seem workshop. hardcore. Definitely meaner. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I want to I want to sign up under and, like an anonymous name and go back and yeah and, and give them a hard time or something. But uh, <laughs> but what they did do um, that was really great is they gave us uh, practice time mm-hmm. pitching to um, agents, literary agents, um, without good. and and they had a literary agents come. This was a novel workshop so they had literary agent come that was nonfiction because there was no chance they were going to pick any of us up for practice so you didn't feel you still got the feedback on your pitch okay but you weren't like life or death on the next 45 seconds yeah so they got to tell you they got to help you hone your pitch when you know that they're not going to be the audience for you which was super helpful much later you Mm -hmm. know when I did go to talk to agents who were looking for for fiction but yeah so I found that experience to be way meaner than any of the (laughs) workshops in my in the MFA program wow um the uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you uh you came into the MFA program as uh because of this this project that you wanted to work on this family history uh project and this memoir project though you had written fiction before that did you mix up your your mentors or your uh semesters and kind of dabble across genre i did i did my first my first term was nonfiction. So I worked on my memoir and I started getting that and I thought, well, you know what? Sadly, I was like, I just want to get my money's worth <laughs> out of this. No, and it's a lot of money. So it makes my sense. Second, my second term was fiction and I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that a lot. And then the last two were, um, were back to my, my memoir again. I stayed in fiction the whole time, but I'm, I did my first two semesters with novelists and I did my last two semesters with the same mentor focusing on short story and uh before then I hadn't really written short story at all Mm -hmm. I was all about getting my novel done um but I had I had actually seen this uh jason ockert i don't know why i'm dancing around it uh he had come up to baltimore and he had done a talk at the pratt library Mm -hmm. up there along with some other some other people and had done a reading and i decided i was gonna spend some time studying with him so that i could hone my sentence level like i thought 
I can broad stroke this. Like I, I, I have the, the beginning, middle and end and you know, the plot Mm -hmm. and I, I, but I really wanted to, to get down to, you know, sentence and paragraph level and really make that a richer experience. Like Mm -hmm. I was glossing over that kind of stuff. So he was all about short stories where you have to make the words count. Yes. And so I spent two, I didn't expect to spend more than one semester working with a short story writer, but I spent my last two and I think that that made a huge difference in my writing. So uh, when, do you, do you get students or um, have, have you had people that you've worked with ask you about the MFA before? Not, no, actually. (laughs) They haven't. <laughs> um, I find that I, I sometimes have to remind other people that I actually do have a degree in writing mm-hmm. and uh, that I can help with with some things. I've done some sort of, I don't know, workshops, not for creative writers or people who wanted to write stories or even memoirs or essays, but saying, let me, I, let me share some tips with you mm-hmm. that will, will help you when you are writing these emails or these executive summaries or, yeah. or whatever. And all of those tips I picked up in the MFA. Those are good ones. Yeah, I, um, sometimes I, well, I mean, a lot of times when you're, when you're doing developmental editing, it's, it's more the project than the writing. Um, so you have to figure out what what percentage of it is helping them get the, the story in the structure they want and what percentage of it is helping them write better. So I'm finding that lately I'm more on the wanting to help them write better side, which is right. more coaching and just... I guess, you know, I, I guess I've liked that a lot more. So I don't even know if I've told you this. Working on a mentorship. Oh, cool. Program to add to my editing work stuff. So, yeah, it, it would be kind of modeled after the MFA low res thing. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I find that even after the, the MFA, um, learning from other people... Uh, things that they have found uh, particularly useful or helpful or that make me look at things a different way has been um, uh, kind of a fallback thing for me. I'm pretty sure I'm addicted to buying writing craft books. (laughs) I don't know how many I have, but a lot. I bet you have Stephen King's On Writing. That is one of my favorites. And maybe my most recommended craft book we'll put a link to it uh of all of them because it's so accessible Mm -hmm. um and not pretend in fact it's like half memoir really and half writing advice yeah it is it's a good one i've read it twice because i i like it i like stephen king so i've seen i've talked to stephen king yeah, you that told was fun. Me. That was fun and I'm, a little bit intimidating. I fun. have never met him, but yeah, I and I find that I like older Stephen King more than I mean. I read Stephen King as we all did. When You're reading Stephen King right now. I am reading Stephen King right now. I'm I'm in the middle of Holly, 
but yeah, I I find his later books to be so incredibly well done. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, maybe I just didn't appreciate the the so earlier older ones Stephen before. King, meaning now that he's older, as opposed to his older works. Yes. Okay. okay. I I like his later, his more recent work. Okay. Uh, I find it really, really great. Um, yeah, so I'm in the middle of, of reading Holly right now, which is based on a sort of side character that he introduced in a, a, a trilogy that starts with Mr. Mercedes. I don't know if you've read that. Um, and she just quickly became a favorite. He brought her back in another book. And oh, okay. then now she's getting her own book. So I'm super excited to finish that. I would love one day to be in a place where I can just pick out one of my characters and make another book. Right? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. So, well, I have a a couple of craft books that I love. One is left over from the MFA program. Um, Heather Sellers, The The Practice of Creative Writing. I love that book because she gets into like the sentence, not the sentence structure, but making the craft so much better and flow better and have meaning and have images and all of that. She's just really good. I like, I teach that book. I do teach that. And the other is, um, seven drafts by Alison K Williams, which is kind of a newer book. I don't think I've read that one. That one is, it's kind of new. So I'll put it on my Christmas wish list. Okay. And it, she's, she's the one that talks about the vomit draft, which is the first draft. And, um, it's more structure. That's more of a structure book. So, well, I I probably have a dozen books that are along the lines of, like, write your novel, stop reading this book and write this novel. That you know, <laughs> like, get it, quit procrastinating and get your book finished. Okay. So, uh, at least a dozen of those, and then I have at least a dozen, which I call them craft books, but they're really uh, reference books for the for the mystery crime writer that are on poisons or on what. Uh, private eyes do or <laughs> what all kinds of random things and I it I've I have a t-shirt actually that says don't judge me for my search history I'm a I'm a mystery writer not a serial killer so true yeah so true I um I was talking to a uh, fellow reader at the brandy bar that we went to okay. a while back uh about my first book and when I was researching uh, that story that involved a house fire he was a firefighter who then had written um, uh, I think a couple of books I think he was a poet Hmm. uh, former firefighter now poet yeah I remember him and uh, I was telling him that I had I had made an appointment and had gone in and had an informational interview with uh, um, the head of the arson and bomb squad, whatever, when I was living in Orlando, uh, because of my book had this fire in the beginning and, and, and I got schooled because I had this fire burning apparently for too long. And he's like, you're making us look bad. Uh, <laughs> but when you ask questions like, you know, how long should a house fire be burning before like somebody, if they were trapped inside could only be identified by dental records. And then they would say stuff like, um, what was your name again? <laughs> and you know, <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. So I have a whole shelf of of reference books for the crime writer, which is truly terrifying. 
No, that's that sounds like a fun library. It is actually. Okay. I enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, I love I love a good writing book, and whenever I go to a conference or something, and somebody does a talk, and uh, and they mention that they've written a book. So you have a lot of procrastination books. I though. do. Does that sound like? I don't feel like working on my novel. I got to figure out why. And you go buy another procrastination book. It's which it's brings you procrastinating. I really am. I can come up. I can come up with hundreds and hundreds of reasons not to actually finish my novel. So okay. Yeah, it's not. It's a problem. Maybe, it's maybe some. You know, maybe some of our listeners have some ideas to help the. Please share procrastination. Want to play um, truth or fiction? Let's play truth or fiction. I think it's okay. I got one. All right. So there's this guy and girl and they have sex in a room because that's what people do. It's no big deal. Right. They have sex. Um, except they're on drugs and well, I guess that's nothing new either. Drugs make people do all kinds of stuff. They make you happy. They make you sad. They make you horny and all that stuff. So they're doing so they're doing their thing and then but there is this guy watching. There's a guy watching there's them. There's a guy watching them. Yes. Um in fact he's the one that gave him the drugs. Oh. Yeah. So and you know, they the I guess the, these people and there's more than just these two. He's he's been given drugs to like a whole group of people and watching them do things. So like sequentially or like sequentially. is everybody in oh okay okay so over time it, over time he's giving people drugs and then yeah i mean okay. i guess he could you know be watching more than one thing going on this is getting weirder by the moment i know so um anyway it, it, they i guess you know they they kind of know what's going on they know he's there watching so that's another weird part of it but um, then he starts practicing like dangerous drugs, like stuff that, that, um, makes you angry or, hey, have you ever seen the, the movie, The Happening by M. Night Shyamalan? Yes, I where, hated it. Like the wind blows and people just all of a sudden start to kill themselves. Yes. That was a great movie. I hated it. I. But okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. You, you give them a drug and then they all of a sudden get so depressed that they just go find a way to kill themselves. So he starts messing with them with that drug. And they're, and then he, he like makes them choose. Do I, which one do you want me to give the knowing, drug to? Knowing what will happen? Like they know it's a yeah. happy or yeah. a sad? They know it's a, it's, it's a very dangerous sad. I'm going fiction, fiction, fiction. That's my um, guess. You're right. Oh gosh, we're too good at this. <laughs> this Ugh. is this is a, this is a hard game. So this is Escape from Spiderhead. You know, I and I want to say yeah. I want to say didn't this get made into a? I don't know if it was a movie. A it's miniseries? a movie. It's, it's a, a movie. movie. So Escape from Spiderhead was written by George Saunders. Oh, he came to speak at the art program. He did. He yeah. did. And the story can be found in his collection, The 10th of December. It could also be found online in The New Yorker. Awesome. 
So you can read about that. And find out what happens because yikes. And we watched the movie not long ago. It's The movie's just called Spiderhead. And Chris Hemsworth is in it. Thor. Thor oh. is in it. So all these guys are prisoners. Have you read the story before? I have not. Or so I would have guessed They're this prisoners earlier. and they've all agreed to this testing thing. Uh... But Chris Hemsworth is like the warden. The warden guy that... Um, is is it's it's good it's good you ah. have to read it miles teller is in it and so is journey smollett she's cute i like miles teller yeah it's he good. did a it's on netflix he did a, a a movie we watched uh or maybe it was a series about the making of the godfather which was really interesting hmm. so so we're gonna we're gonna have to figure out a way to make this harder Yes. This truth or fiction we're, thing. Is, we're going to have to hone our truth or fiction game yes. because we're a little too good at it. Yeah. All right. Um, I wanted to ask you, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about how you sort of moved from um, an early interest in fiction and then moved into your, your family history thing and then kind of that branched out into archiving. And uh, I know we shared some information in an earlier episode about the... the um, uh, heirloom what what did you call it heirloom orphans orphan heirlooms orphan heirlooms and uh kind of digging through archives and and historical things and finding um so we sort of know how you've you fell into that do you ever go back and write fiction do you dabble in that at all anymore oh, i would love to 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 i i have this block right now because i feel like i have to finish the memoir first and that's just me being mean to myself i'm sure <laughs> I could easily go somewhere and write some fiction. And I have I have this one story that's been in my head for like 10 years, and probably longer, that I really want to write. And I don't know if it's a short story or a novel. But yeah, I, w- I want to do it, and I haven't done it. Do you read mostly nonfiction, I, or do you, what do you... where does I read mostly nonfiction. I read some fiction, some short stories now and then. But I will say this. I did write fiction... When I did this letter stories project, that was mm. fictional, and it also turned into like a fictional archive too. Which yeah, where we had all these was, artifacts. Yeah, uh, from the, if you're not familiar with the um, this format, uh, was, maybe you can spend a second explaining. Okay. So it was just a few years back. There was about what six or eight of us writers got together and did a project called letter stories and we would write like hand write letters to each other and they the the first person would start off a story and whoever was sent the letter next would continue the story by either responding to the letter or something else and and the writers got into it they started creating maps and and getting artifacts and sending them and and it was just it was a lot of fun i enjoyed it but that and that was fictional and i i wanted to keep doing that so i want to do something similar again but we'll see but i i have i've been living pretty much in the fiction realm and most of my stories if they're not full-on mysteries are at least twisty in Mm -hmm. some way um and that comes from, you know, that comes from 
when the first Nancy Drew book you got at the school yep. library and sort of falling in love with the, the intellectual exercise of trying to put the pieces together. Yeah. Um, but I've written some nonfiction. I've written some essays and some, some other things. And I think it's good, you know, I think it's good to sort of stray outside the lines a little bit, but if I had to, you know, label myself or put myself in a box, if I had to assign that thing that I do, it would be, I definitely am a mystery thriller or crime writer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, short fiction or long fiction mostly. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Did you read a lot of that? I do. Yeah. Um, not exclusively, but most of my recreational reading is uh, is mystery or thriller related. I just love the idea that you can come up with the most ridiculously implausible things and make somebody still turn the pages. Yeah. Um, I mean, knowing that's a challenge. Yeah, knowing that it's it's crazy and absurd and out there and divorced from reality and you, you still are invested in finding out what happens um, and getting an explanation of it so are you like a visual person or are you yes. like so a lot of times I will envision like mostly it's comedy and I can see I can see a scenario going on on Saturday Night Live like that should be and I say this a lot you can ask David that should be a, a skit on Saturday Night Live or this should be a skit on Saturday Night Live and we make stuff up all the time but I don't know if that means I should be a script writer that means you need to be cutting that just, stuff or like writing that stuff down and putting it on your own crazy idea board I need a crazy idea board everybody needs a crazy idea board yeah which leads us to our wrap-up writing tip of the week got one I have been co-writing or so writing is such a lonely thing right it is it is lonely sometimes so, by choice and, I, I like that I have a door and I procrastinate too I, I don't actually I don't have a door I have to get a door you need a door but that makes it even lonelier so <laughs> um, so what I found is a co-writing group that is online and we will check in at the same time on zoom and just kind of go through everybody and say hi and say what are you working on and then we go off and do our thing for an amount of time is this an accountability thing it is it is an accountability thing and it makes you and if, even if you don't get like if if you're working on a specific like a blog post or something you say i'm going to work on a blog post but it just doesn't come to you you can do something else and nobody cares you're not graded on it or anything they're not so critiquing you they're not critiquing you and it, it and that makes it a different kind of writing group yeah that is a different kind of i have not found like critique groups or like writing groups that are about sharing and mm -hmm. feedback particularly helpful um, uh, I'm, I do have a, a reader who reads everything I write before I submit it. Awesome. And, um, she is amazing. And, uh, I may have, we may have her on the show at some point. Oh, 
Uh, so that she can talk about what she does. She is yet another person who has randomly moved to North Carolina. Mm. Hey. Um, but yeah, so that's a really good trip. So that um, that's works for you with this co-writing group. It does. It does. And this one um, is also suggested by Allison K. Williams. Mm. So if you ever, if you want to see or join in something like that, you can you can Google guerrilla memoir which is her guerrilla memoir and co-writing or link we'll tree put, we'll put some link links tree. for you yeah. uh re, um listeners on our page mm-hmm. so you can get this well thank you another yeah. good good episode full of interesting resources for our uh our learning curve yes learning curve all right until next time Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody.